declare bankruptcy! Bears eats Battlestar Galactica. Depression? Isn't that just a fancy word for feeling bummed out? Twiggy Wigger and slut! Not only the years we've been at war, but from the moment as a child when we realized that the world could be conquered. Go. Okay. You're listening to Great Scott, the Office Podcast. I'm Jay Ray, and with me is my deskmate, Jacob. Hey, how's it going? This is literally like the fourth or fifth time we tried to record this episode. Uh, we had some big-time technical difficulties on Sunday. That's why we're coming to you a bit late. Um, yeah, but that's okay. You guys love it. You love our professionalism. It's why <laughs> our Patreons are consistently satisfied with the quality of the work that we put out. Do we have professionalism? Is that a uh, thing for us? Well, I will say you had to lean in today and say go because <laughs> you were dancing through the whole intro. Well, I, I thought you, I cue. thought you could, I was hoping to do like a thing for the YouTube where I could like drop cards and stuff. And, but no, apparently you weren't, you were just not in on it. So, well, I can't hear the music. But so, anyway, I, so, cause I got something cool today. He's constantly Numa numa <laughs> Uh, what what cool thing did you get today? Um, I got a D100 dice. Uh, I saw that in the Discord. Yeah, that, that tiny, it's a, tiny it, numbered golf ball. It's actually not tiny. It's like three times the size of the normal golf ball. I mean, it's about that big. I mean, it's a, it's okay. a good size thing. I won't use a lot. I was like, ooh, I would like a D100 for my birthday. Click, 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 click. <laughs> and that yeah. was done exciting i I look forward so uh jacob is a a dm for a game that i'm part of yes Uh, and i it was my birthday on friday october 13th the friday october 13th and i'm entering my jesus year so this should be a big year for me so i mean you'll either die or not die well, yeah, how, but I will get Jesus a lot of followers either way. Yeah. We'll make sure to pimp that Twitter at the end of the show then. Jeez. <laughs> oh, I should totally do that. Just like every day take a picture of something random and post it to like Jacob's Jesus year or something. Yeah. No. It sounds great, anyway, like a great idea. We're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about The Office. And it is the maybe most maligned episode ever? Well, real quick, because we're, we're trying to be speedy and efficient tonight, but I will say, and it, it is going forgotten because we had done it five times previously, we're kind of moving to a two-episode format per episode. Correct. Be- because, um, you know, well, one, you know, Jacob and I do other shows on the Broken Jars Broadcasting Network, so visit BrokenJars.xyz to listen to all of our other amazing content. But that being said, you know, so our weekends are often taken up by post-processing and podcasting, all that kind of stuff. And we had noticed that, um, you know, we kind of mm, go Mailed down it in enthusiasm. for last episodes. Yeah. 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 So we'll, or, we'll talk. Or we would just mail it in until we got the episode we really want to talk about. Right. Right. 
Yeah, so we, we yeah, so the the later two episodes don't necessarily get the same attention and care. So we're gonna try out a two episode format for for a stretch. We'll see how that goes. Please set us up um, on Reddit, um or at Jacob Ingles, J A C O B I N G A L L S. If you dislike the you know the new format, we, you know, we can go back to it. But right now we're just trying uh something new. And like I said, we're getting to Scott's Tots, the episode that literally has a subreddit, subreddit develop. God damn, I cannot talk. A subreddit <laughs> devoted to it. Please be prepared. The rest of the episode will be delivered in the same <laughs> way. So if this was directed by G. God, God damn it, this, this Jay you fucking <laughs> jinx me, you motherfucker. <laughs> This so this was directed, was directed by B.J. B. Novak and written by Gene Supinski and Lee Eisenberg, which we know this duo from especially Dinner Party. So they just, they know how to take that awkward up to 11. Yeah, especially when Michael's involved and Steve Carell just plays it so well. That's uh, why they do it to us. Like I hate that he got typecasted as that guy, but... He just does it so well. Yeah, I mean, he, he is stretching out. He's in the new movie, uh, Battle of the Sexes, which is a, a tennis movie that takes place in the 70s or something. Right, the, but, I mean, know. did you ever watch um, The Big Short? I did. He's definitely not Michael Scott in The Big yeah, Short. Yeah, I mean, he really changes who he is. It's not like he's typecast, but... Well, and what was that wrestling movie, Fox... Fox Hunter, Fox Trotter, something like that. Fox, Fox Hunter, yeah, that that's yeah. really, who you want to go into fucked up? That's fucked up. But well, well, I'll say the these these improv folks, part of all that improv training is there's also a dramatic element to it. You know, it's not all comedy, so they really uh, a lot of them can be really surprising when put in a dramatic role. And Steve Carell. Uh, Hopefully he has a long career ahead of him. You know, I think uh, 2020, The Office 2 will be coming out following Michael Scott's adventures in space. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. Anyway, Scott's Tots, here we go. Cold uh, Open uh, is yeah. Michael calls Andy into his office about his babe, baby voice. I don't I can't even do it. It's more of a thick tongue thing. Like, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Elvis. <laughs> like, I can't. That's about the best I can do. Yeah, I think it uh, it's just replacing a lot of the hard-lipped le- words with, like, W's and U's and stuff. I, I I always thought it was more of a thick-tongue thing where you're like, oh, I see why that's more D-voice. Sorry, I recently watched uh, I Know That Voice. It's a great documentary by a voice actress. I was, like, maybe trying to, quote-unquote, take some of those things, but... Anyway, so Michael and Andy get in this voice off where they're, he's like, well, and Andy knows just how to play. He's like, well, some people don't like your Elvis voice. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm going to be the Leslie Nope of this entire podcast where I'm just doing terrible impressions. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, Mr. Elvis, some people don't like it when you <laughs> talk about things that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Keep going. You're doing great. 
That's all I can do. That's all yeah. I can do. <laughs> well, I mean, I will say, uh, as far as baby voices go, Andy's is pretty good, inappropriate for an office setting for sure. But if there was a baby there, um, I think that baby would be entertained and probably understand Andy's English a lot better in that context. But uh, that being said, to yeah. be fair, okay, you've got to like get into Andy's reason for doing it. You know, like. Like, if you got to pull out of a meeting, like, I mean, well, as a true grown professional, you just, you just get up and walk out because that's how meetings work. But maybe not so much on sales calls. But if you got, you know, your little bowel syndrome, you've got to figure out a very interesting way to let yourself out delicately. Diapers. <laughs> <clears throat> Diapers don't mask the smell, man. Uh, you could put a, a Glade plug-in nearby if you know that it's one of those days. Have you uh, never you... changed a diaper? No, I certainly have not ever changed a diaper. At least uh, not in my, my not my time as an adult where I would remember such terrible well, things. I had three younger brothers, so yeah, no, that smell, it permeates. I mean, I pick up dog shit every day. That helps. It no, no, it doesn't. It's it's a whole different game. Well, so so the thing about uh, Michael's Elvis impression here, Andy does a good baby voice. I will mm -hmm. say that. That's on record. Take that. That's a J. Ray approved impression, <laughs> okay. not Jacobs. <laughs> that being said, Michael's Elvis is terrible because not only is it, it's like generally about right, but he's not even saying Elvis lines correctly. Well, no, because, like, he's trying to get the whole upper lip there. He's like, oh, hey, baby, how's it going? Like, I can't even do it. But that's what he's trying to no, do, but it's... You can't do it. Well, okay, but, but listen, like, name but, two quotes from Elvis off the top of your head. And then if you don't know any, then you just don't know Elvis, and that's totally valid. Uh, well, uh, you got, it's all about hound dog. It's all about how you know. And you also got in the ghetto, right? In the ghetto... <laughs> Okay. Okay. Great. Those are two Elvis song titles, and I we just that. lost all of our listeners. <laughs> it's true. Uh, no, Elvis is famous. No, no, for I, saying, if Thank you. Want you. Me to keep going? I can. Like, I certainly don't because those were barely right to begin with. <laughs> Look it ain't nothing but a hound dog. First of all, um, that being said, Elvis says thank you, thank you very much. That's the Elvis. Right. Line. Right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Right. right. No. Right. But Michael says thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> In the Elvis voice. So not only is his impression not great, as you know, as stated by the rest of the office, as relayed by Andy, but he doesn't even quote the damn guy correctly. Right. It's just a faux pas all around. Terrible. But they, they find some camaraderie. And like you said, Andy played it very well uh, to allow himself to continue to be a baby by uh, complimenting Michael's terrible Elvis impression. Um, and that's that's that that's the gold open. So they just kind of share this moment of uh of odd very awkward exchange. Yeah. So we have um really two we have two storylines going on in this episode. So we have uh, Dwight, and we'll start with Dwight because Dwight is, I think, well, it's more fun and definitely less awkward. So he has developed this diabolical plan, which he. Somehow, and actually, I I don't buy this. He somehow left an extra copy on the printer. 
Like, I just don't buy that Dwight would do that. No, no, no. The whole thing's on purpose. I think he intentionally leaves the extra copy to be found. You really? Yeah, so that, uh, you know, when the inevitable, you know, downfall plays out, because that, like, you know, because who pitches it originally? Andy, right? Right, but... Because I don't think Jim would take it seriously if Dwight had said it from the onset. But Andy pitches it, Jim runs with it, then Andy, uh, Dwight comes in to kind of right, but take credit for it. But Ryan finds his diabolical plan Oh, that, on... that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Right, yeah. and so I'm just going, Dwight would never do that. He's too careful. Yeah, but what if it was a situation where he printed and just didn't get a chance to go to the printer yet? He, yeah, already, he already has a copy. And we have that printer fax copier right like six feet in front of him so we can click print and literally just go right up to the printer. Uh, Yeah, but maybe that's not his style. Maybe he's printing a lot of things. He's got some expense reports. He's printing a couple sales orders. This email's important. Diabolical plan. Oh, yeah, I need directions back to... Uh, the beet seed guy. But he already had it in print. <laughs> I don't know. And then also, too, uh, I've had some situations in my office where I've printed two copies of another document. And then when I continue to use the program, it defaults to the other copy setting. So I, I printed five strategies and then I needed to print a single instruction in how to sign into a webinar. Um, but I printed five because I had Word open and it defaulted to five like it previously did, you know? Maybe. I still like I still think this is like a bad plot hole kind of thing. Okay. Okay. The diabolical plan, Ryan's got it, he knows he's in on it. Does that happen? I don't remember this at all in Scott's thoughts. Yeah, is is it's a side plot where um uh, it's the employee of the month. So uh, Andy comes into Jim's office like, we should have employee of the month. And Jim's like, that's great. And then we have this really interesting, um, uh, God, I cannot remember the term. Yeah, I cannot remember the term. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just having blanking. Uh, close up. It's not close up. It's uh <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm oh my so. Goodness. I cannot remember this term for the life of me. And J Ray is not helping me for whatever fucking reason. Right. Well, because I need to. I need to point this out. The diabolical plan thing happens at the end of this episode. That's yeah. how I was thrown off. Right. Sorry, because you're talking about it, and I'm like, that's not how this whole thing starts. Right. But oh, yeah. I mean, I grant in my notes, I do have it as point F of. DD, so um, you said Dwight's evil plan, which I thought was just implying the employee of the month, which is evil, right? Well, we're all <laughs> I'm just saying, man, you are all over the place, you can't come up with words. We're talking about the end of the episode after the cold open, your impressions are way off. Oh, like, no, people come no, from no, no. People who listen to this podcast know my impressions are terrible. It's one reason I come back. It's just to listen to how bad I can fuck over my impressions. I see. Okay. All right. So um, Andy pitches the thing to you're trying to figure out the word for some type of close-up that isn't a close-up. 
I don't I can't recall the specific visual you're trying to pull here, so that's why I'd help you more if I could, but it, just Well he's alone a, with the camera talking to the camera. That's a talking head. Talking head. There we go. Yes. If you see his head and he's talking. Yeah, so talking head, he's like he so he pitches this idea to Jim. He's like, Yeah. They they had employment everywhere I worked. You know, Liam Brothers. This was something I worked at yeah. Enron. So apparently, like, Andy had just been in all these terrible companies. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if he was there till they ended. Um, you know, like, was he was he one of the folks walking out with their boxes and the big short just to head to another uh, another company? Because technically speaking, he works at Dunder Mifflin until they're no longer Dunder Mifflin, you know? It kind of seemed like that's when... And if you look at the timeline, it fits about right. Right. That he left Lehman Brothers and came to Dunder Mifflin as a salesman. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, so uh, the plan basically is to orchestrate an employee of the month um, to kind of bring up morale because obviously the conversation around the office is kind of doom and gloom, right? Right. Which it should be, especially after murder and all that other stuff. I mean, they really don't uh, know what's going to happen. They know correct. they've been sold, but that, you know, everything else. Is really well, they bad. haven't been sold yet. That happened in murder. Where they they were told they were told they had been sold. No, that they were filing for bankruptcy. I thought. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Parks and Rec podcast. <laughs> well, Leslie Nope is on a slide with a child. That's a homeless guy. Uh, no, okay. yeah, no, Mert. Wow, yeah, we're way off. Who's we? Because I'm not on the same page as you. So if you're off, I want to make sure that everybody knows who's listening that Jacob, thanks a lot, is, is the one. Okay. I'm just going to, I'm going to riff here. Jacob is silent and looking up this information. Yes, yes, uh, yes, I am. Uh, I'm going to uh, just plug forward just a hair. So with the Employee of the Month strategy, Dwight will come up to um, Jim, say that this idea was actually his idea, not Andy's, and he has a way that Jim can do it that is easy, anonymous, super fun. Uh, essentially, it is a sheet where every employee has been assigned a number anonymously. The sheet will be given to Toby in HR, who will then assign grades... Uh, on this sheet anonymously. Sorry, I was jumping ahead. I was thinking something happened in Murder Happens next episode. I'm sorry. No, hey, <laughs> listen, it's okay. But, you know, there's two office experts here, and then one says that you are totally wrong. I think it's fair to listen to at J-A-Y underscore R-E-Y on Twitter. You're right. You're it right. Yeah, you're right. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to front. I was straight wrong on this. Uh. 
It's okay. I mean, I, I've moved forward with a bunch of things that were wrong, and I don't think <laughs> anybody on, uh, only on All right. Reddit has so, I mean, let's, let's just dive into it. The big thing is that Michael Scott offered a bunch of third graders, like 20 people, college tuition. Uh, and yes. how old is a third grader? Like, is that like eight, eight or nine years old? Yeah, eight or so. So this is a teen, and yeah, Stanley says laughs about it. Like, has it already been ten years? But right. he made the dumbest promise ever. College well, tuition. He was under the, well, I imagine he was already a regional manager or something at that point, right? No, maybe we have to go back to season two, but I don't think he was. Uh, why season two? Don't they say it in the thing? Uh, is a presentation where a bunch of tots are thanking him because they're going to graduate this year. That's that. Anyways, because the the thing is, um, you know, it says like local businessman offers, and I thought it was kind of general enough that he could have been the boss. Of um of that branch of Dunder no. Mifflin at the time, it made it seem why, in, in the yeah. other timelines. It makes it seem like he got there like a year before Jim and Pam did, or sort of what? in that time. I mean, no, Grant, we don't have we have no a, idea when Jim and Pam actually got there because that switches every time it's convenient for the plot. But well, Michael was a sales rep there under Ed Truck first. Right, right. In that very office working with, what's that dude's name? Yeah, Todd Packer. Packer. Yeah. Right. Who had written his name under the desk of Dwight, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's no way that he was a sales rep at the same time as Jim. Jim's like 25 in the first season or something, 23. Right, right, right. Yeah, so there's some really interesting <laughs> time dynamics going on. Okay, so 10 years have passed. Uh, basically, this promise that he will pay for this tuition has finally come to its uh, conclusion, and they are trying to invite Michael to a presentation at the school. where but He's already pushed tots. like eight or nine times. Right. So the tots are wanting to thank him and, you know, do a little presentation because presumably uh, there's been no communication recently that would indicate that Michael couldn't pay. That being said, when we finally get to the school, Michael does have a really good repertoire with all the kids. So it seems yeah, like he still remembers like this one girl, like, "Oh my God, you're you." I mean, it's sort of that yeah. whole his salesmanship thing. Like he remembers everybody. Yeah, and I mean, like there's a there's a part of it where it seems like he really is invested in these kids, you know. Well, but he like yeah, well. But, but there's also a part where he like spells out everything about each kid like oh no you're you're his brother so i'm not paying for your tuition either like he knows all of these kids by heart well that's what i mean but that's why i feel like throughout the 10 years he's had conversations with them you know checking in or whatever they're reaching out to him to like look for life advice or some crazy shit not not just his memory of a decade ago meeting a bunch of eight-year-olds. Right, right. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Right. I agree. Um, okay, so um, Pam says, you got to go, you got to go. Aaron's going to go with him. He's not super happy about it. Aaron is kind of sad about Michael's rejection, and this is like 
we've seen it a bit. There's a, you know, Michael and Aaron just don't connect on a level, right? So Michael makes a statement um, that he likes Pam better, you know? Right. But this is like the slow beginning that we see of Aaron and Michael's weird father-daughter thing. Yeah, I never – I I just don't understand that whole – Yeah, Aaron's thing. character takes a lot of weird leaps because she's pretty normal when we meet her, like most of the people in the office. And then she kind of gets weirder and, you know, she she's like really odd and socially awkward around Andy when they're dating and there's some weird shouting and miscommunication. She's got this weird relationship with her brother. But isn't that how things go normally, like – People start out normal, and the more you get to know them, the weirder they get. Is that supposed to be like a satire on human relationships? Uh, you are giving a lot of credit for a very long-running <laughs> television show. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, we know Aaron is an orphan, at least not now, but we will at some point. So I think that's what this is. You know, maybe she didn't have a strong male figure in her life. So because Michael is an authoritative figure, she kind of assigns him this dad role. I mean, again, like you said, it's not great. It's a little odd, but it's better when it's just there and we accept it, you know? So this is the beginning of that awkward relationship or whatever. So they go to the school. Um, They've got a suitcase in tow, and Michael is pretty much biting his fingernails the whole way. Yeah, I mean... If you're listening to this podcast, you've already seen this episode. So let's just get into it. Like, they do the music, they do the big music number, right? My, you know, yeah. Make our dreams come true. All that, you know, all that stuff. Could you imagine being in that situation? Um, hey, Mr. Scott, what are you going to do? What are you going to yeah, do to make, make our, our dreams, dreams come, come true? true? Yeah. And then it just repeats. Not very clever. I can't imagine any of these kids would be majoring in English because this is a very sad attempt at poetry. Let me tell you. Anyways, so they're singing. I mean, really what happens is Michael's walking through the hallway, runs into one of the tots. The young lady brings him into a room where everybody's already waiting. Um, so there's parents, there's news, the principal's there, the teacher's there, all the kids are there, and obviously some of the kids' siblings are there, as Jacob pointed out earlier. They're clapping, hooting, and hollering, and I mean, they're like ready to go. Who knows how long they've been in this room? Days, probably. Maybe a week. <laughs> Maybe But as soon as he walks in, week. they go. Yeah. And the principal gives a nice little speech about how, you know, uh, Michael's, con- Michael's promised contributions to their future really made this specific group of kids succeed in school in a way that maybe they hadn't previously, you know? Um, so it's really life-changing, this opportunity. Um, really nice for the presentation. As the viewer, we know that this is a knife going deeper and deeper into the heart of Michael Scott. So, um... Yeah, you know, everybody... This is one of those times you're just like, oh, Michael... Yeah, oh my! Like, um, I'm not a big clutching of the pearls kind of person, but some of those moments where you just clutch pearls and go, "Oh Michael, yeah, yeah. got the vapors." Oh Michael. So one, you know, one kid tells Michael he wants to be president. Michael starts to cry, um, and finally, it's his turn. 
So, you know, he gives this really great speech about uh, pre- premonitions, being able to sense when something wrong Intu- is going to happen. Tuition and intuition and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, so, you know, someone, uh, one of the kids jokes that uh, they'd like for him to pay for his tuition too, but it's the younger brother. Right. Everybody laughs it off and... Um, he just moves forward with this terrible news that he will not be paying their tuition. And he says in a talking head that, you know, earlier in the episode that he had anticipated him have, himself having more money at this point. And like having comedy albums. Right. And, so and just, this is sort of one of those things where you get into Michael's self-delusion about himself where he thinks he'll be farther than he is. Right, right. And... These skills that he thinks he has aren't actually real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, everybody's kind of outraged or whatever, and Michael almost saves it. Gets the attention. He, he's talking, and he says, listen, you know what? There's a lot of options for school. Don't right. have to go to college. A lot of you can you take can... an online class. Right. And with... so he thinks that he's about to give them new laptops. laptops. Yeah. Said he pulls out laptop batteries, which is like the worst thing. Because, I mean, if if anybody knows anything about any type of laptop, it's like those aren't necessarily universal things. You know, those are like good for a brand or something because of those plugs are kind Mm -hmm. of. um, Oh, they're all they're all um, proprietary. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got this bag full of, you know, ghetto ass batteries. People start freaking out. I mean, it's terrible. This episode is terrible. I mean, dinner party I can get a little bit of joy out of because you know there's there's um, the hunt, Gunter the hunted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know there's a there's a fun neon sign. There's some candles. You know there's a lot of levity. But Scott's tots is just a fucking car ride with no brakes into a classroom full of kids who just want to go to school. They all die. It's terrible. Um, so just to finish up this storyline, then, um, a a single student does catch Michael outside of the classroom and kind of admonishes him saying, you know, listen, that was wrong. What you did He's like, look, books are like a thousand dollars. He writes him a check, uh, a year. That's about, I mean, Grant, I've been out of school, Jesus Christ, 10 years, but that's about what I paid. About about a thousand dollars a year for books. Yeah, I'll tell you. After my during the the second semester of my sophomore year, I stopped buying books flat out. <laughs> I was like, I will download old versions of them and put them on my Kindle, <laughs> and I will just hope for the best. Well, you had the option some... then, man. I well, don't I have that old. option. I'm old. That's right. You are Jesus old. I'm thirty three. What up, motherfuckers? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and you know, and part of me always felt bad about that exchange because obviously he's, he's, he's trying to make amends for that kid. Right. But there's still the whole classroom left of kids who are kind of left in the dark. I mean, that being said, they, they, again, they were good students. Right. And they, they, most of them would have gotten scholarships to school. I'm not, I'm I'm not trying to say that what Michael did was good because what he did was Awful. I mean, this is probably peak terrible Michael. 
And I know I've used yeah. that term a lot, but this is probably the peak of the peak of the peak. Terrible, Michael. I'm trying to look up this quote. He had a really great quote in it where eventually he says, he was trying to talk about how bad can something be if you've got good intentions. Um, can't find it. But that that's the gist of the quote, you know. And, and there's, well, like there's 75 or some... percent had already received scholarships where the rest school had only received like 20% of scholarships, something like that. Well, I mean, you know, yeah, he not, nothing that he did did he plan or anticipate. Right. I don't think he thought by promising these kids tuition that would make them better students or at least set them on a path to believe in themselves in a way that maybe kids don't necessarily without this kind of, you know, pippin, great expectation support kind of thing. Right, but this is... Um... There's a, a business concept called the Hawthorne effect where mm -hmm. people who believe they're being watched or their um, production is being looked at more closely actually produce better results because they're more careful as they're working, you know? Yeah. And again, uh, unintentional on Michael's part. And I don't even think he sees the benefits of this. Uh, you know, this broken promise that he's made, you know, I don't think he understands that he he is kind of the catalyst that got these kids to be great students. So he says this thing about his intentions and stuff, I think, without really knowing the full scope of it, which is something that Michael does a lot because uh, I just rewatched uh, the interview. So he comes back to the office after Jan freaks out. And, you know, he gives his little speech to the office about how he's always going to be there and how he's going to die there. And he says, I am going nowhere. And it makes grammatical, like syntax sense in the context of what he's talking about. But I, I truly believe he doesn't understand that I'm going nowhere also implies that failure wise, he's going nowhere, you know. So he has these moments of saying really poignant things without being aware that he's being so philosophical you know right that is the uh, right. yeah that's the michael scott way <laughs> um so just to finish up the the jim storyline and we could hop back to give our final thoughts here but you know so dwight gives him this sheet the sheet is filled out with everybody's scores um for some reason jim is on it and he gets top scores and you know, and I forget it's like attendance and sales and all that kind of jazz. Yeah, he doesn't know who's like this. This was this wasn't my idea. All this other stuff. And and really, what I imagine is Dwight knew this information beforehand, and he probably had to tailor make each of these graded categories in such a way so that Jim could be number one and that Pam could be number two, which is what we reveal when Jim. You know, so you think it. it was tailor made for them or it was just them and Jim really didn't know? Oh, that's an interesting point. I never thought about that. Like the whole thing is kind of skewed. To no, be no, the whole thing is a scam. Yeah, but I mean, like, uh, Jim is the one who gives it to Toby. So, and Toby's not in on it. And Toby presumably fills in information for the entire office, you know? Like, that was kind of Dwight's point, was that the the failure of this whole thing 
would could never be really traced to him, you know? Right. So that's why I feel like he put in categories that Pam is really good at, even though we know she's a terrible salesperson. Again, attendance, maybe sales growth. Um, because like she said, she, um, she sold two things, but she doesn't sell anything normally. So that's a, you know, 200% increase or some crap. Um, again, it's diabolical, Jacob. So I think Dwight really went all out to plan it. Um, it's all terrible. Everybody hates Jim. Everybody hates Pam. Also what ended up happening is Dwight went around because Jim said in a perfect world, this would come with a cash prize. Dwight goes around collecting money from everybody. This cash prize goes to Pam. So they're out 20 bucks. Pam gets money. Dwight's host, uh, Jim's hosting the whole thing. It's all terrible. And it's, it's the beginning of uh, his diabolical plan, which as Jacob pointed out and argued with me for happens at the end of this episode. <laughs> so now we know that Ryan is uh, teaming up with Dwight to do this. Although I will say moving forward, I don't think there's a lot of them teaming up. It's like once. Right, yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, they, well, and you see at the end of the episode where they split in the elevators arguing about, you know, beer bar or martini lounge kind of thing. Right, right, yeah. All right, so any closing thoughts before we grade it? No. Yeah, it's an episode. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's a good episode. It's an okay episode, but it's a good episode. Uh, so what would you give it, sir? Uh, three out of five I can't evens like I couldn't even come up with something from this episode to score I just can't even there you go yeah I think I'm right there with you with the grade I'm going to give it a, a three out of five what you're going to use um, it, it is a solid episode I think the writing is good and there's some oddities that are happening but you know, not to be the guy who's constantly criticizing everything after the third season of The Office, but, um, you know, the, there's some side moments that they take some liberties with to get to the main point of the episode, which, um, you know, is still a fine episode. And despite Michael's terrible behavior that is potentially evil uh, without knowing it, um, you know, we it's just another instance where we get to see Michael kind of has a bit of a heart. All right. That being said, on to our second and final episode of the evening. And uh, just a quick little hint there. Jacob left. He's coming back, grabbing his headphones. Here we go. Three, two, one. And then I was all like, holy crap. I can't believe that fit in there. Oh, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> what's up? <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, next episode is Secret uh, Santa. Secret Santa. Uh, I let's... haven't, yeah, Secret Santa. I'm trying to look up the uh, production details here. Uh, directed by Randall Einhorn and written by Mindy Kaling. There we go. Oh, quick side. Just got Hulu. It's freaking amazing. Mindy Project is on there now. I'm excited to check that out. I think it's not skewed necessarily toward my demographic, but I'm happy to support a minority woman on television, and it's been on air for forever so it's got to be decent enough well yeah hulu has an unfair advantage in the whole entire scape of television stuff well not unfair i mean they pay a lot of money to do it well no um abc fox well, and nbc are are co-owners of hulu 
That's why right. all of those shows are coming over to Hulu. Right. That's why it's one of the few reasons why NBC is still on Netflix. Yeah, I know. And then Hulu just got 30 Rock, though, as of uh, the beginning of October. Right. But, they, yeah. yeah, they have unfair advantages on a lot of old programs because the parent companies will sell to the sister companies for a very low amount. Right. That makes sense. All right, so we uh, have Secret Santa going on. Yeah. So we start out with... Uh, uh, Jim and outrage. Dwight are talking about being the heads of the party planning committee, and they both just hate it. They're like, this is degrading. It sucks. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> that, is, that is what that is. Now, obviously, we've had some run-ins with the two of them in the past regarding their party planning prowess uh, in regards to Kelly's birthday party. That was a whole failure. Right. And then we also have the um, Phyllis apparently been like dropping hints for for Jim since September. So yeah. as soon, basically as soon as he got the co-regional manager job, she was dropping hints. Well, because we know Michael didn't even want Phyllis to play basketball. Right. Because he has some very sexist thoughts. So a female Santa, I mean, again, uh, in another Christmas episode, we find out that Daryl can't even wear the Santa hat uh, because Santa's not black, apparently, according to Michael. Has that already, hasn't already happened, has it? Uh, is that next season? I don't think it's already, I don't think it's happened. Well, it's not Moroccan Christmas. No. That's season five. Happened. Definitely not Benny Hanna. No. So I think it's next Christmas, yes. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, anyway, so this is, then I guess this is the beginning of a trend of Michael having uh, having some issues. Are we sure? Because, you know what, I'm thinking, you know, uh, Dwight's in the room and he's got elf ears on. And that's the um, nasty Christmas episode, I think. Right. That's earlier, because they don't, they don't play that's more games. That's season two. I'm pretty, sure it's just, I'm pretty sure that's season six. And okay. what we learn is that uh, Andy, being a man of great emotional intelligence and unlimited credit cards, buys Aaron the 12 days of Christmas, which, as we learn, is basically 30 birds. Right. Well, yeah, and again, Andy doesn't put his name on it. So from Aaron's perspective, it's kind of like... When you realize it's a fuck ton of birds, when do you pull out? Like, I'm not trying to be sexist with that comment, but when do you just like, oh, wow, that's a fuck ton of bird? Like, you've got to sit down at some point and start doing the math going 12. Ah, shit, I got to look this up. Just for, for those of you listening at home. You don't have to, you know, do this every time we come up with an episode, but I do recommend you diving into the uh, Broken Jars YouTube to check out the video version of this show just so you can see some of the faces I make as Jacob um, loudly uh, exclaims quantities of birds and all types of things like that. Because Oh, yeah, we, uh, we get into it. So uh, 12 drummers drumming, 11 pipers piping, 10... Ten birds, ten lords leaping. I don't know what those are. Nine, 
ladies dancing, seven swan swans of swimming. How are you going to give a woman seven fucking swans? Well, I think they just have to swim by. Uh, six geese laying. That's terrible. Five golden rings, whatever those are. Four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. There it is. You there. thought Jacob's singing was over? It was not. It did it again. Yeah, uh, it's terrible. My my girlfriend's afraid of birds. I can't say I'm particularly afraid of birds, but I do know they just kind of shit all over the place. So, uh, at the very least, that seems to be my concern. But, but how do you not just shit. like understand like sending people live birds is a bad idea? I mean, some people have birds as pets. Not many. Look, you, you send a you girl saying... a you send a girl a puppy, you're getting laid. You send her a bird, you're getting like a big you know bird by her hand. Uh, if we all recall, I think her name was Veruca Salt from the Willy Wonka sh- uh, movie. Uh, she wanted a goose that laid golden eggs. Well, so you give her when she's an adult a goosey gift of golden goodness boom alliteration um yeah you're you're probably you're probably getting a little salty if you know what i mean boom cha <laughs> so yes birds are not for everybody no, no, but, but she wanted a goose that laid golden eggs so she could be rich that's why she got dumped down the you know the whatever sorter, the, the bad egg sort of exactly so it's a whole different thing podcast yeah, right, right. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> what's going on here? Um, lots of birds. It's terrible. Um, and we have this really cool thing where uh, Dwight's been getting pieces of a machine from yes. the Secret Santa. And I think it's the only time where Dwight is at, or not Dwight, Michael's actually been kind to Dwight. Or one of the few times where he's actually been like, hey, I know you like nuts. I'm going to send you something you'll like. And I'm also going to make it a puzzle, which you'll like. Yeah, I do feel like... I mean, you know, it's said all the time. It's the only reason why people probably kept watching the show while Steve Carell was on was because after the first season, you find out that Michael... Oh, boy. You got to show the puppy. got to show the puppy. Okay, I'm going to get it. So we're talking in the office and J Ray is getting the puppy so you can see him on the YouTube. All right. Oh look at the puppy. Can't hear anything. Hold on. Okay, I'm here. Hi. Look at the puppy. This is a cute little pupper. This is Jin Urso making her podcast. I just want to like scratch her little ears. It's getting a little colder here on the East Coast, so we've been opening our windows. That being said, the neighbors across the street seem to be having some type of outdoor gathering that's causing Jin some emotional stress. Oh, poor Jin. Yes. Um, God, I know I shouldn't watch it, but I might watch that right after this podcast now. Rogue One? Yeah. Yeah, Jin or so, everybody. The puppy, named after Felicity Jones, specifically. And I will fight you, but I believe that's the best Star Wars movie ever. Uh, yes, then we will be fighting, sir, because that is a ridiculous statement. 
Son of a bitch. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, boy. You said it, not me. Um, yeah, right, no, but so my, the big Michael thing about this episode is Phyllis is Santa. Which, you know, she's she even says in the episode, uh, I feel like I've got a good build. I'm normally jolly, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, and Michael is fucking pissed. Yes. Well, because he also fancies himself as the Santa because, again, he likes to be the center of attention, you know. Right. Off of Santa, that's the thing. Um, another thing we find out in this episode is that Oscar has a bit of a thing for a previously unseen warehouse dude named Matt. And, no, that's no, that's later on. Sorry. Oh my god, Jeebus, um, Jeebus, Jacob. Sorry, all these episodes <laughs> run together. I'm sorry. I'm doing the best I can. Yeah, we've only done five years worth of episodes on this freaking show, in less so, than two. <laughs> so the interesting thing about Matt, and I am going to be speaking very carefully as an ignorant heterosexual man. Um. But I guess my point in saying the following is that, and it doesn't need to be said, that's probably what makes it so cool, but how did Oscar know that Matt was gay, you know? Or, because Matt is gay, I believe that we find that out in a later episode. No, I actually don't think we do. That's that's the thing is, my... Oscar is crushing on this dude who, and and anybody can crush on anybody. That's that's the same thing. Jim, come here. They don't. Jesus. Jim. Okay. Um, yeah. Anybody can crush. We're gonna on have anybody. a puppy on the that's podcast. Totally if you want to watch this on YouTube, just yeah. uh, you just gotta keep the puppy in the camera line, J Ray. From now well, on, there you out. go. All, all the more reason to uh, check us out on the old YouTube. Yeah. Um, but I don't think we ever, because I mean, Oscar says you can be you you can be gay with the with Matt, but you gotta be straight with me. So right. there is no like actual, oh my god, this person's gay kind of moment. Yeah, there is. There's no like reveal. But uh, later on, Pam does say that. Uh, she tries to get Matt and Oscar together because they are the, quote, only two gay guys she knows, end quote. So there must have been a conversation outside of the Well, I always show. thought that it was be- just because Oscar was crushing, she thought he, she, he was gay. That's that's how I, you know, took it. Yeah, I mean, either way. Um, you know, so it's just uh, just something I... You know, because Gay Witch Hunt is like a big episode. The whole point of it is to discuss uh, Oscar's gayness, which doesn't define him. His Mexicanity defines him, Jacob. Mex- um, Mexic- Mexicanity? I think it's right. Kind of so if he wants to ride in a burro, get him a burro. <laughs> um, you know, so anyway, so that that's kind of a whole thing. And then later on when the senator's there, you know, the there's a lot of story elements revolving around revelations of people's sexual orientation, you know? Right, right. Um, so that's what's interesting about Matt is because he's there, he's a gay character, that's what it is. 
Um, you know, and now we just move forward with this kind of plot device, um, which I think is kind of well, a it's funny, the first time thing, where we've really gotten in. It's the first time in the show where Oscar's sexuality really defines him. Yeah, because his his because he's crushing hardcore, yeah. and you know it's played to the point where all crushing people are stupid, which is probably true. I mean, I've had crushes where I've been a stupid person, and I'm sure you have been. No, uh, no. people only ever have crushes on me, and then I decide. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh my goodness, Amanda, if you were listening, so so, so back in the real world. Yeah. Uh, Phyllis is Santa and Jim is telling Michael that um, she is Santa and he's freaking the fuck out. And for whatever reason, he decides to be Jesus. Yes. Yeah, so he like inverts the Santa robe so that they're mm-hmm. all white. Very offensive. So, I mean... Granted, we're we're at October seventeenth, twenty seventeen. But if you're going to go as a very offensive character for Christmas, which I don't know who dresses up for Christmas, but if you're going to dress up for Christmas and be very offensive, who would you be? Um, what's that guy's name? Black Pete or something terrible like that? Like that black face Norwegian. Mythical creature who like goes around. Oh, he shows up and children. Yeah, yeah. It's gotta yeah, be Judas, right? I mean, that's just uh, well that's carrying a, a bag like round of like fake silver coins you just throw out everywhere. I mean, it's gotta be the the worst one, right? Well, yeah, because especially the way you just described that there's a lot of terrible implications by that that uh, that visual there. Um, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Man, if we well, did not lose our listeners at the beginning of the last one. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Jacob just goes there sometimes. And that's that's what you get on this show. You just get us to go there. I'm looking at these notes and we do see a comment here that says um <laughs> it's not like penis wise Kevin on the lap. Because <laughs> of tranny claws. Well, yeah, yeah, he's talking about the old tranny claws. Over there. If you sit on my lap, you'll see that I am a true man or something like that. Yeah, yeah. He gets Kevin to sit on him. He's like, and Kevin says something about it being a lap dance. And he's like, no, this is not a lap dance. Yeah. This is true Christmas spirit. And he almost kills Michael, according to Michael. You also have, why does this make Mike fuck up so bad? Well, yeah, like, why does, like, why does Michael just go crazy over, over in regards to the Phyllis thing? Phyllis thing. Yeah, like I said, I think it's an attention thing. Um, this was like, this is his, you know, he treats a lot of um, opportunities in the office, like new employee orientations, um, all of the different conference meetings and stuff. Obviously, uh, Meredith's run in with rabies. Uh, he uses them to his advantage to kind of be the center of attention. Um, so this is an instance where at least he had a planned strategy to be the person everybody looks at and Phil is taking his thunder a bit, I think is what's ruffling his feathers. Right. Bird pun. Boom. 
12 days of Christmas. This is one of those times where I'm looking over my notes going, I really wish I had done this episode right after I'd written them. Because I have three notes in this exact order. Crushes suck, because they do. I mean, having a crush on a person sucks. Oscar uh, is such add that to the Jacob podcast. Well, I I yep. will be more than happy to talk about why having a crush sucks. But okay, the next one uh, is Oscar is such a damn pussy, mm-hmm. which I probably shouldn't have written. And or read also, out loud, <laughs> that's fine. And Michael is Jesus is a damn fuck. Like yeah. I, I was pulling. At least I was pulling no punches. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah, you uh, during that two or three minute span of episode, you had a lot of thoughts that were covered in profanity. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry, guys. I was not trying to offend. I promise. Well, so in Michael's kind of uh, general displeasure with the day, he starts calling out the names of people whose secret Santa. Right, and he's also like talking about why they were naughty so when angela gets called he's like she was sleeping with the white and when yeah, pam he's, is he's called uh, yeah she got pregnant before she was married and all this other bullshit yeah um so you know so back to pam oscar and matt you know, Pam's trying real hard, and then Oscar kind of does this power move, right? Right out of some type of uh, hookup artist DVD, where right. he calls Matt Mark on purpose, kind of to. Is indicate that a thing? Him. Is that a thing? Like, I mean, I, I was never that guy. Sure, sure, sure. But well, Just look no. at that beard. Of course you were. No, please. I didn't have this till after my thirties, and I was married. But when I graduated college, I was six foot and one fifty-five, so I was a skinny, lanky motherfucker, and no women want to talk to. So I would never have ever even thought to call someone by the wrong name. Like maybe, you know, maybe the people out there can be like, "Tell me what what's like in the clubs now," because well, well, I never went to clubs when I was. <laughs> Yeah, I will say like if you watch Swingers or any jokes that about this kind of thing on Bob's Burgers or Family Guy, it's all kind of a similar train of thought. You know, don't call immediately after you receive a girl's phone number, you know. Um, and when you do receive a message or a phone call, you go like, new phone, who dis? All that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, it's it's like it's all trying to like present yourself in a powerful position as if you were leaning far back and whispering uh, to indicate to the person that they are more interested in you than you are in them to, you know, whatever. If if you are a fan of this podcast who employs employs those techniques, please let me know. So next time I see you, I'll kick you in the nuts because that's what you deserve. Okay. Um, If you employ any of these moves, uh, and you listen to the show, hit up Jacob, and you guys can meet for a drink. And then, Jacob, is when you kick them in the nuts. You don't <laughs> tell them that on air. Okay. <laughs> so, um, Michael calls David Wallace, uh, and uh, David reveals a bombshell, which would be much more exciting if Jacob didn't talk about it last episode. 
That being said, we find out that Dunder Mifflin's being sold. Right. To um, someone from Tallahassee. Yeah. That they've never heard of. Right. And, um, and you know, to oh. for Michael to continue to maintain his power position and being the center of attention or whatever, he, like, immediately runs out and exclaims it to the entire office during their little shindig that this is important information or whatever and arguably a terrible way to share and that probably info. the their last time together ever and then right. mike wallace or mike wallace like no no mike, mike wallace no no i mean mike wallace david wallace david wallace, uh, yes right they all conference called david wallace to kind of look for an inf- uh, more information but david clarifies that everyone at corporate will lose their john but uh job but scranton actually happens to be safe because Distribution is what they care about. Yeah. So Jim sympathizes with David and, you know, the whole office is kind of happy about it. Um, And uh, even Michael kind of is a little pepped up about it because he still has a job. It's just kind of this like weird, weird moment here in the office. Right. Yeah, it's it's different. That's probably the best way to put it. Like, you realize that Michael ends up becoming the the highest ranking person, Dudner Mifflin, and everyone's out of a job except for them. So this entire corporate structure above above them crumbles. And it's gotta be weird as you know, Jim, who is essentially the number one in the office, right? Going, wow. Um, well, I am on the same level as Michael, and that means I'm the highest, one of the highest-ranking people in this entire company. <laughs> you think that's something that they, they go through in this time period? Uh, well, they talk about it, I think, in the next episode. <laughs> but, uh, but you yeah. know, you get... I mean, I don't know. Me, that's how I would think. Because I, I, I mean, I can tell you right now who who is between me and my vice, me and my vice president, and my C, CEO of my company. Right. And I work at it. Well, I work at a big company. Where I was just J Ray doesn't quite work as a big company, so he actually knows his vice president or something like that. Why are you talking shit, bro? <laughs> just saying you do. It's just a thing. Um, yeah, <laughs> I do know we, we hang out all the time. <laughs> so, uh, kind of to, to wrap this up, um, just to finish off with Aaron. So on part of the, um, the birds and how terrifying they can be, she's actually been walking away with injuries for some of these items, you know, right? Uh, like it's got a scratch across the eye. Yeah. Her cat killed a turtle dove. Right. Um, now Phyllis knows that Andy did this for her and mm-hmm. Andy, after finding out that Aaron hates it, denies it vehemently to Aaron and has to beg Phyllis not to share that information. Now, regarding Phyllis and Aaron's relationship, uh, it's something that starts to develop over time that we find out that Phyllis had a child around the time of Aaron's birthday. Right. And, um, so there's potential that Aaron might've been her daughter so. I feel like, you know, Erin is a lovely woman anyways. And as is Phyllis, regardless of her previous nickname as Easy Rider. Um, 
So, but you know, so I think that's where this is. They're just trying to see where this relationship goes, you know, to see if that's that's the case. Uh, that being said, um, Michael is the one who reveals, though, that Andy is in fact the secret Santa for Aaron, and right, you know, and of, he's like super crazy, you yeah. know, super Jesus form. Yeah, but like, I uh, feel like that would be a great ultimate boss for a very bad video game. Mike is super Jesus, like a 16 bit thrown fireballs or not fireballs, like, uh, like Flaming pieces of cake, That's pieces terrible. of cake right. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't played it, but, uh, I could imagine playing as Ryan, the temp in an office video game that is very similar to cuphead. <laughs> Um, where you're just kind of running through the different characters in the office trying to beat them in there. We got to talk about that because that game is amazing. I didn't play it. I don't got a PC. I'm a PS4 household over here, man. And it's a, it's a Microsoft exclusive. I know people keep telling me and articles have come out saying it's explicitly going to be an exclusive over there. I might try to hook it up on this laptop, but you and I could barely podcast on it, let alone me play. Well, like no, right? it would be easier to play Cuphead on this laptop than it would be to podcast. Okay, great. Uh, that's all for this episode. <laughs> uh, but so anyways, uh, Andy kind of makes amends with Aaron when uh, the 12 drummers are revealed. And it's this dope drum line outside where Andy is doing this ridiculous in-place moonwalk while the drummers are doing a thing. And Aaron finds it really touching. And, uh, yeah. Look, I don't care about your sexuality, but someone do does that for you. How does that person not get laid? I'm just saying. Because, Jacob, Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> you can't say that kind of stuff. Man, you know, I thought I used to be the edgy one on this show. And as we continue deeper in to the Office franchise, we are finding some things out that Jacob is off the cuff. He is punk rock. He don't give a damn about no one. I do give a damn here, a lot of, about a lot of people, but... And I'm over here being fucking Toby Flenderson, <laughs> trying to be like, you know, collecting everybody's Kama Sutra books. But, J-Ray, I mean, come on. Come on. It, um, all things listen, being if someone, equal. If someone got me 12 drums... All um, things being equal, if... You were just now dating your significant other, and she was like, I got you 12 drummers drumming. She get laid. I mean, but okay, so imagine you are. I don't know. Somebody who is good looking. Sorry, Jacob. Uh, and you are given drums by someone who has a terrible personality, who has punched a hole in the wall, who has, you know, who has. Um, We've already established that Aaron likes Andy. What's that? We've already established that Aaron likes Andy. No, we have. Right. But that being, but they don't know that about each other. You know, I'm just saying, Jacob, consent. Okay. <laughs> you can't buy vagina or penis with drums. Just doesn't work that way. No, no, no. I'm saying that like you, you would. Most people would probably give consent at this point. <laughs> right. Well, you uh, uh, as a there's a unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt joke where you will have to sign my intercourse consent form then prior post drumming, prior to coitus, 
Them's the rules. We got to make sure it's on the up and up. All right. So <laughs> I think we've made as many dirty jokes about this as we can. So what are you going to rate this episode? Uh, I think it's a, you know, I'm a sucker for the Christmas episode, so I'm going to give it a, a 4.1 out of 5 Nutcracker Christmas. Different episode, but there's a Nutcracker in it. Nice. Um, I do love Christmas episodes. I do love Christmas in general, except when it tries to, you know, horn in on Halloween and Thanksgiving, especially Thanksgiving. But that's that that's a fight for another day. Uh, so I give this 3.5 out of 5, 6 maids of milking. Oof, the worst one. <laughs> what are they milking? Well, Nobody they're, they're making milk, which is, well, at least at this point, was a very valuable commodity. So. <laughs> Hashtag Katan. All right. <laughs> so uh, that's going to do it for uh, this week. Sorry our schedule has been a little off. <laughs> Sorry about the format change. Sorry about the technical difficulties. We are constantly working on it. Big thanks to our patrons who are supporting us and have continued to support us as we continue to grow our shows in our network. Right. Um, big thanks to Jacob, who is actually figuring all this stuff out in his basement as I sit here playing with my puppy. You which see is not the basement that I, I, I do a lot of this stuff in, so... Yeah, so, uh, you know, our, our goal, obviously, is to give you uh, great content that you love. We are working on it. Bear with us. Uh, and, and sorry about Jacob's crazy comments this episode. <laughs> just just make sure you're not listening to this on speaker at work. And I'm sorry I'm saying it at the end of the episode. I should have put a disclaimer at the beginning. <laughs> that should be a new disclaimer. Like, yeah. we're sorry, please. Oh, please, God, do not put this on public broadcast. Yeah, we recommend listening to this podcast with headphones. 100%. Well, um, thank you. You can yeah. find me at Jacob Ingalls on Twitter. Uh, you can find us at Broken Jars at XYZ, patreon.com forward slash Broken Jars. We technically have a Reddit, but we never check it. So don't post there, please. Nope. Hit us up on Twitter. We're all pretty active on Twitter. Yeah, just yeah. Um, hit me up on Twitter at at J A C O B I N G A L L S. Hit me up. And if you become a patron, you'll be invited into our Discord channel where and we can, you can tell all us how bad it. we suck. Yeah, exactly. We get For five dollars a month, you can just rain down your criticisms. For free, and we'll we will actually thank you well, it's for, not for them because they're paying five dollars a month. Like. We will thank you for them because we will, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I <laughs> guess right, so, it's so, all pushing us to be a great network. Yep. Thanks for tuning in. Have a good in. one. Later. Bye. Bye.